Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for pets. Don't let unexpected vet bills throw a wrench in your plans. Let the Trupanion policy provide the protection you need against the unexpected. If you're a breeder, the Trupanion policy has a special additional rider that provides coverage for breeding concerns such as emergency C-sections. Even more, Trupanion has a breeder support program that allows you to send your litters home with a special offer of medical insurance for pets. Learn more about all of the perks available to breeders like you by clicking the link on my partner page and be sure to let them know Pure Dog Talk sent you. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I am joined again by my very favorite returning guest, Dr. Marty Greer. And we are going to talk about a fascinating topic that I just told Marty, I can't believe we haven't actually covered this before. And it is the idea of a dual sired litter. And this is something that the American Kennel Club made available as a viable legal option about 15 years ago. Something in that range, yeah. And it enables people who, for pick a reason, to breed their bitch to two different stud dogs, DNA test the offspring and register them as such without getting in trouble. So people have used it for some pretty remarkable preservation breeding kinds of concepts. So welcome, Marty. Let's talk about it because I think this is fascinating. Sure. And I think it is as well. And don't forget, it doesn't just have to be two. It can be three. We did three last week. Oh my gosh. So okay. it could be a try, a trio. So it's multiple, sire. Mm-hmm. It's probably a better catch-all term. So I think it started with AKC, not exactly on purpose. And I'm not on the AKC board or a delegate right. or anything. So I'm on the fringes. But I think it started as, okay, we had an accidental breeding. We can do DNA now. So when DNA became a thing enough right. that it was reliable right. for parentage, then you could start saying, okay, let's do this. So I think someone at the Board of Delegates said, okay, well, you know, now that we can do multiple sire litters because of an accidental breeding, like I bred her to the dog I meant to, and then I came home and she oops, was tied to oops. another dog of the same breed or of another breed. They said, oops, yeah, well, okay, now we'll let you register the litter as such, because up until then, if you had that kind of a breeding, it was a wash. Yeah, you couldn't register anything. Or you registered them all as what you hoped they were, whether they were or not, which is a whole nother story for another day. (laughs) It is. And that's way more than we can get into at this time. You're absolutely right. But it started off sort of as, well, what do I do with an accidental breeding? And then someone raised their hand at the delegates meeting and said, well, what if it's an on purpose? Mm -hmm. Are you going to let us do that? And they kind of scratched their head. And I think, I'm sure they had to have some powwows about it. I'm not sure exactly how the decision was made. But ultimately, it was decided that, yes, you can use more than one sire. And I have had firsthand experience with my own breeding program that I've used two sires. Like I said last week, we use semen from three different stud dogs, frozen, for a variety of reasons. 
And in my case, because you'll hear everybody say, oh, every time you do it, you only get them from one sire. And in my case, it was that way with my first breeding. And that litter is about 14, 13 years old now. I can't remember exactly when we did that litter, but we did name them after Who's Your Daddy? Nice. So we had Anakin and Padme, you know, the whole Star Wars Who's Your Daddy theme. But this last time that I did it was about a year and a half ago. And I ended up with three puppies from one sire and one puppy from the other sire. So these two beautiful girls out of the same mother are competing against each other. We competed against each other last weekend. And the judge went back and forth and back and forth. And she finally looked at them and said, I'm really having a difficult time making a decision. They seem so much alike. And I'm like, well, that could be because they're (laughs) half sisters out of the same litter. So yeah, it actually did work that way. And I was very careful because you can get the DNA back on your own dog and then they send you a chart for how to interpret it. And so most of the time I just do it myself because it's not that difficult. But the owner of the stud dogs is in her late 80s. And the last thing I wanted to have happen was for someone to say an accusational remark about you didn't really register the litter as who they were supposed to be. So I went through the paperwork. My husband went through it, who's a veterinarian. Three of my vet techs went through it. And then I sent it to the AKC because in addition to the $200 fee for registering the multiple sire litter and the DNA testing, for an extra 40 or $45, AKC will interpret it. And they came up with the same interpretation we did. And it's really quite simple and quite straightforward. So it's not hard to do it as long as the male dogs are dissimilar enough genetically. If you start breeding brother-brother or father-son, it might get a little close. And I had one with a border terrier. Usually they go out, I think, 13 genes, and they had to go out 23 because the dogs were so closely bred. Okay, so we're starting on the list of all of my questions. I have so many questions. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) And this is, again, something that I have toyed with and never actually pulled the trigger, if you will. So number one question, what are some of the reasons that you would do it? Do this particular method of producing a litter? Let's just start there and we'll go down the list of my questions. Sure. One of the most common is that the male you really want to breed to doesn't have great quality semen, but you really, really, really want to litter out of this bitch at this time. And there are many reasons for that. She may be approaching her end of reproductive career. She may have fertility issues of some other kind. She may be a leased bitch and you can't really make a decision. You have two co-owners that can't come to terms with a decision. You have someone that really desperately wants a puppy out of their line of dogs before they pass away from cancer. I mean, there's just a whole lot of reasons that people make these decisions. Both times that I did this, it was with the same stud dog owner, but different stud dogs because it was a different generation. And she just thought it was kind of interesting. Like I said, she's in her late 80s now. But when we did it the first time, she was in her mid 70s. And so she wanted to do it. And I was fine with it. And the one dog we see a lot of times that, you know, you want to breed to a dog that's really great, but he's 13 and his semen's not great. He doesn't ship well. And so you just want to back it up with somebody else. And so you have choices then of in what sequence you deliver the semen. Okay. Okay. So now you see transitioning. I feel like Arnold Horshack here. I swear to God. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Oh, oh. Oh. I got it. I got it. 
sorry. If my listeners are not old enough to remember Welcome Back, yeah. Cotter, I apologize. It would be a sad day. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. So, okay. My question is, when I have discussed this with my veterinarians, when I have considered it with my own breeding program, I had one very bad, very old collection from one stud dog and one reasonably good collection, but only one of it from another stud dog who was collected very young. So the expectation is it would be relatively good quality. And the concern that was expressed and the reason I chose not to do this particular thing was that the semen that is better quality will beat the semen that's lesser quality. And that there is a thing about trying to match the, for lack of a better term, the quality of the semen. Talk to us about that. Right. And that's the difficulty if you put them both in at the same time. If you have poor quality semen, it's almost always going to be outcompeted by the better quality semen. So frequently we'll give them a head start. And of course, it depends on if you're using frozen or fresh semen. Fresh semen gives you a bigger window of time during which you can kind of play with it. If you're using frozen and you don't put the semen in at the right time, you won't get anything. And that, of course, would be a real problem as well. So we did one on a friend's dog eight months ago now because the puppies are showing already. And the poor quality semen never had a chance. All the puppies were from one litter. Mm -hmm. Even though we sequenced it so that the dog that she really wanted, the one that, of course, won the national, was the one with bad semen. Because you know that's the curse of winning always, the national bitch. Always. Bitch or dog. That as soon as you do that. The heart dog that you can never replicate, no matter how many times you line breed on him, you just can't make another one. And everybody wants him. And you're like, I didn't even think to freeze him until he was nine and a half years old and sick with yes. cancer. So this is everybody's wake up call. If you have yes. a young up and coming stud dog, Freeze early and freeze often. Even if it's not up and coming, even if it just might be up and coming. <laughs> Truly. Yeah, if you think he looks good, if he's good enough for you to keep, freeze him yes. because he'll fall in the swimming pool and drown. He'll be electrocuted. He'll get snake bit. Right. You name it. And I've had that happen. Let with die at the field trainer. Hi, oh, yeah. can I raise my hand and discuss all of those things? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's tragic when it happens. So, Freeze him young. You can always do the health screenings later. Yes. If you don't like what you get. You can dump the out. semen. <laughs> it's only money. You know, I had to learn this the hard way, truly and honest to God. I mean, you just listed off all the things. <laughs> Literally all the things. I'm laughing, but I could be crying. So I could laugh instead of cry. Yeah. And we've seen all those things happen. It's really tragic. And delivering the dog deceased to the veterinary clinic to collect semen may get From you something. testicles, yeah. Mm -hmm. It may not. And we do provide that service and a few other veterinarians in the country do. But the semen quality is never going to be as good, whether it's at neutering or whether it's at the time of that early demise. And of course, if they've run a fever or had heat stroke or anything, there's no hope at all. If they're elderly, there's no hope at all. So it's only going to potentially work if it's a fairly young dog that had a very acute end. So plan ahead. If it can go wrong, it will. So freeze him young. And if you don't like it, get rid of it later. Or, and I'm going to perhaps go out a little bit on a limb, the Otterhound Club a couple of years ago yes. was allowed to develop their own nonprofit organization to manage semen of pet quality dogs. Well, not pet quality dogs because all dogs, otterhounds, there are right. so few otterhounds that everything right. has value in the gene pool. 
So dogs that were not necessarily owned by breeders that understood the value of collecting and freezing and didn't want to spend the money on it, the Otterhound Club was wise enough to see the future of their breed, their gene pool dwindling. And so they went to AKC and said, we'd really like to develop a nonprofit that would manage the semen of these dogs. And for listeners, if this sounds familiar, you'll remember that I had a conversation with Joellen Gregory on this topic. And so I don't know, have they opened that up? They had talked about it at the time. Yes. Joellen Gregory and myself have been on a committee with Vanessa and Mark Dunn and a couple of other very important people, Jerry Klein and Charlie at AKC, developing the protocols for this. So our next step is it's ready to roll. We've got a toolkit put together. Our next step is to start educating breed clubs. So if you're listening and you have a breed club and you're on the genetics committee or you're a member or you have a dog that you would like to have semen retained on, this is really, really, really super important that this is an opportunity for people. And I know I have clients, I have friends that say, "Um, this is my genetic material and I'm not about to share it with anyone else. And I'm going to say to you, if you truly love the breed the way you say you do, then you need to share those genetics going forward. And that dog may not have value in this generation, but four generations out, we may see a genetic problem crop up. There may be some other reason that the genetics are bottlenecked. There may be some other problem. And you're going to need to go back to some of these dogs, even if they weren't heavy hitters at the time. Mm -hmm. If they're a good, solid dog with good genetics, and as more DNA tests are developed, say you have a breed that we don't have a test for yet, like epilepsy or hip dysplasia, down the road, we're going to have those tests. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. The cancer tests are going to be coming. And so we're going to need to breed our way out of some of these corners. And without that genetic material stored, it's not going to happen. So you now have the opportunity to work with your breed club, your veterinarian, the AKC, the Society for Theriogenology. There's a whole bunch of people that are involved in this because everybody sees the big picture value of this. The bovine industry, the dairy cattle industry has done this since the 1940s. I have a dog breeder client whose partner was a geneticist for a cattle breeding service for, and they saw the value of this, you know, 50 years ago. And as dog breeders were being a little selfish and a little short-sighted. Wait, sorry, shocking. To not have gotten to this sooner. I didn't say that out loud, but. Mm. But when I approached Mark Dunn about this, and then Joel and Gregory, of course, needs a lot of credit for this as well. And everybody that's been involved with it, I, I'm, I know I'm going to leave people out if I am not careful. It is such an amazing project. And, and the conversation with Joel Allen was unbelievable. Yeah, it's very cool. So Mark Dunn saw the value of it and then started jumping to other places as well because he's got quite a vision for the AKC. So please, please, please freeze your semen, get it taken care of. At this point, we still can't do the females. And when I freeze semen, and I have done this for the last 15 years, every single stud dog that walks through my door that we freeze semen on, we save his blood on an FTA card. Now, you can also send the blood to OFA and they will store the DNA, but you can save it on an FTA card. And you can do this for your bitches, too. You don't Mm -hmm. have to only do this for your boys. But an FTA card is basically a filter paper card. We can put blood on it and put it in an envelope and put it in a filing cabinet so it doesn't require refrigeration and it doesn't take up a lot of space for storage. So as new DNA tests are developed, instead of having to thaw the semen out to see if your dog has those diseases, then you're going to lose that semen instead of saving it and finding out that on a blood sample, those FTA cards have four circles on it. You fill it with, takes less than a cc of blood. And then the DNA companies can take a little tiny punch of that, like one one hundredth of what we've saved and run a DNA test and tell us if that's going to be a dog that could be used in a gene pool or in certain places in the gene pool. 
So it's super cool. And you really need to be thinking about this. Be thoughtful, look forward, start planning ahead. You are not the be all and end all in your breed. Believe me, there are people that are going to come up behind you that will save your breed and will do fabulous things with it. So you've got to have a little bit of trust in those people. Every day you get in your car and put your seatbelt on and go down the highway at 60 miles an hour past someone else. If you collide, it's 120 miles an hour. You trust those people and then you don't trust them with your dog's DNA. Like, really? Come on, people. It's so important, Marty. And I didn't mean to be sarcastic earlier, but I see this too often. And oh yeah, we have had the conversation, not necessarily you and I, but on the podcast about the number of times that people in this fancy eat their own. So I do believe this is incredibly important. And it's a little bit off topic from Dual Sire, but it is so critical. It's still all about the semen. So, and until we can clone, it's, it's only going to be the boys that we can do. Yeah, I know. My emails get blocked to a lot of people because for some reason, they'll just pick up the word international canine semen bank and they don't let it go through. I don't get that. Facebook won't let me boost any of our recordings because nine times out of 10, there's the word bitch in Somewhere. I just contact them and they'll they'll go, no, oh yeah. It's no, they don't. No, I've tried. I've gotten by with it. So I'm sorry. I'll have to clean up my language. It's okay. Bit. It's okay. Semen and bitch are part of our life and we're okay with it. it is. It's part of what it makes is. us very cool dog people. When we were vet students, we got thrown out of Perkins more than oh, once. Yeah. So, yeah. I, and I know yeah. dog people that have said the same thing. Yeah. Same. They sit at a restaurant and talk about this stuff and pretty soon everyone around them is looking at them and then moving away. I get it. Imagine being a young 18-year-old child going off to college for the first time, having grown up in dogs and having only known dog people and going to dinner in a restaurant with other college students who were not dog people Mm -hmm. and trying to explain to them what you did in your childhood. And they all are looking at you like you are from Mars. Yes. Yes. Agreed my life. If you're that person, go to vet school and then you'll be okay. I should have gone to vet school. But we'll welcome you into the fold. There's the dying part, the blood part and the smelly part. So no, I didn't go to vet oh, school. Oh yeah. I, yeah. I, there I, is all that. I'm in the process of starting a new business and I've got three vet students that are working for us and they're like, oh yeah, that formalin. It, yeah. It smells terrible. Delicious. Yeah. You kind of get used to it. Hang tight guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Are you ready to take your breeding program to the next level and decode your dogs? Embark is celebrating DNA Month with reduced tiered pricing during their annual sale. Stock up and save all month long with exclusive offers to celebrate. Embark's industry-leading full-panel dog DNA test identifies health risks, physical traits, and genetic diversity for breeding programs. Embark helps breeders select ideal breeding pairs to support healthy pedigrees and the lifelong care of dogs. Did you know you can plan for coat color, type, and other traits in your puppies? That's where Embark comes in. Don't miss our annual DNA Month sales event. To get up to speed before you breed, visit EmbarkVet.com and use code PUREDOGTALK to enjoy $20 off of each kit in your order. That's EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use code PureDogTalk. Anyway, multiple sires. So there is a thing about timing it so that if you have lower quality semen, 
you can maybe give it a head start. Right. You can time it that way. You can put in perhaps more if you have it accessible because we expect our semen when we thought to be 60 to 80% viable. Mm -hmm. So if you've got semen that's thawing at 20%, you may have to put more in to compensate for that. But then you have to make decisions about you know, what quality bitch are you going to use and what's her fertility? And that's a whole nother discussion is should you use frozen semen on a first time bitch? And I like that. I'm a fan because I like a pink, shiny, healthy new uterus, Yeah. but it's got the risk of not knowing what her fertility is. And it's got the risk of not knowing what kind of maternal skills she has. Right. I am in the second camp. I am in the get them bred to whatever is standing on the ground that is in the line of what I want to use not just some random dog on the street, but get her bred, live cover for her first litter, get her settled, get her accustomed to the concept of puppies. And then I'll spend the $8,000 or whatever it's going to be to have my frozen semen litter. Just flushing those $8,000 just doesn't appeal to me. But don't wait until she's eight years old either. And we see way too many people that do that. The field trial dogs and the confirmation dogs, they've got a career and it's so important to them that they're the number one dog in the country. Mm. I just had this conversation with a client on Facebook and in person. She sent me a Facebook picture and she said, do you really think I should pull this dog out of the ring? Look at her. She's gorgeous. And I'm like, yes, I do. Okay. Just so you know, next month, our conversation, literally, it's on my notes written on this piece of paper right here next to me, campaigning versus breeding. Yeah. So save that. I will. Put a pin in that. And I'm writing your name next to that because I was going to have to do that by myself. I'd much rather do it with you. Oh, yeah. That'll be more fun. The other thing to know is when you are using frozen semen, AKC wants to see that dog's paperwork that supports that you have that semen actually in existence and that they have DNA tested that dog and those puppies are his. And if you think that they're not, you're wrong because I actually have a friend that used some of my frozen semen bred the bitch. She went home. She got pregnant. She had puppies. Two years later, she brought one of the boys in as soon as his OFA was cleared to freeze his semen. And we sent his DNA in and we got this little phone call from AKC. And they said, um, this cannot be the sire of this dog. And I had no idea that she had been contacted. She didn't tell me for about another six months. So AKC actually looks at the paperwork for how many units you have. And AKC actually looks at who the sire is And if it's not the right dog, you will be getting a tap, tap, tap from the AKC because they don't think it's funny. Now, on my drive home today, there was a woman on the radio. I was listening to public radio and they were talking about a woman who had the need for a kidney transplant and had two sons of her own with her husband. And when they needed a kidney transplant, they DNA tested her and they DNA tested her sons. And they came back to her and said, now this was in 1995. So this was a long time ago. They said, you are not their mother. And so after a number of different tests, she actually bore these children. Like she was pregnant with them. She saw them come out and it was the right father. So they couldn't have been switched at the hospital at birth. And they were two of them. And they started looking at her like maybe she'd stolen the children or she'd done something other really weird. It turned out she was a chimera, which meant that she had the DNA for two different people. And they had determined that when her mother was pregnant with her, that she had a twin that at a certain particular stage, like four days after the embryo started to develop, the twin was absorbed into her and she had different DNA in her blood than she had on a cheek swab. So it's kind of fascinating. Chimeras are definitely on my list of things someday for the super DNA nerds because it is the most fascinating conversation. Fascinating. So 
just be aware that those things could happen, but it's pretty unlikely. It's a lot more likely that what happened to my friend is she went home, she took some pain medication because she had a bad back, she fell asleep. Didn't notice. Notice after the breeding was done with the frozen semen, and so she did really have a dual sire litter that she wasn't aware of. So those things can still be corrected and registered as long as you're willing to work with the AKC. And the AKC is not out to get you. They're there to register dogs. That is their job. And they don't make money unless they have registrations. So you have to certainly trust the AKC to say that they will want to take your money. They just have to figure out how to make that happen. So there is an additional fee to do dual sire litters. So you have to pay for the DNA testing on all of the possible sires, the female and all the puppies. You can't just say, well, these two look like Sam and these four look like Fred. You can't do that. You have to actually do it on everybody in the litter. It takes a while to get the DNA test back and it takes a while to get it processed. And so it can be painstaking. But you can usually get it done by the time the dogs are six months old. Now, when I do mine, I cheek swab my puppies. They cannot be nursing within an hour of the time that you collect the DNA cheek swab, but they can still be on the mother. So you just have to separate them long enough. I did on my first litter cheek swabs and microchip the puppies when they were 10 days old and they screamed. I was going to say you microchip 10 day old puppies. I you did. are brave. I struggle with eight week old puppies. But they cried for the cheek swab. They didn't cry for the microchip. And that female is now quite old and still has her microchip in the exact location where it was placed. So I know that's not exactly what they tell you, but you can just relax about a few of these things. If you want to do a dual sire litter or three sire or multiple sire, whatever you want to do, on purpose or not on purpose, you can do this stuff. You can start checking them fairly young and you can get the information that you need so you can get them registered. And it's very cool that AKC is open-minded enough to do that. I think we have Mm -hmm. to applaud the AKC for Mm -hmm. not living in the past and actually moving forward as technology has moved forward, both with this and the semen freezing 501c3. So like I said, if you have a breed club that you're interested in working with, AKC has toolkits. You don't have to start from scratch. You don't have to go through the stuff that the- Is this live now, Marty? It is. It is. Yeah, they can start doing it. What we still have to do is education. So I don't know if we're going to do- Zoom meetings with the breed clubs are exactly how the education piece is going to take well, place. Well, um, certainly Pure Dog Talk would be more than happy to. Yeah. <laughs> so if you call AKC and ask for Vanessa, Vanessa can start walking you through how this works. So okay. it actually is happening. And I think it would be brilliant to have someone from AKC, maybe. I can get Mark or yeah, Vanessa Mark or, or somebody. Or somebody that knows what they're doing that would be willing to talk to you about this and start spreading the word because we do need to educate people. And let them start to open up their minds and their semen access to people that are worthy because those breed Mm -hmm. clubs can make those decisions. Long after you're gone, your dog has value in a breeding program. So if you really genuinely love your breed, leave the good stuff behind. Don't destroy it. Don't euthanize your dogs. Don't destroy the semen. Use it. Use it well. Can't imagine why you wouldn't. Okay, so back to on the multiple sires. The most important thing that I'm hearing you say is that if you're using a mismatch in quality, give the lower quality a head start. Yeah. DNA tests, everything, all the stud dogs, the dam, and all the puppies. Yep. And put good quality extender with that semen. Sometimes extender can really make a difference. And there are different kinds of extender. So you're a veterinarian. If you're working with somebody that does a lot of canine reproduction, which is what you should be doing with these, this is not for your ordinary garden variety veterinarian. And those are good people, don't get me wrong. But when you're doing something of this level of sophistication, you need to have somebody that doesn't 
misunderstand what you want to do and doesn't mm-hmm. think that fresh chilled semen goes in the freezer and knows how to put it in so Sweet that it gets Jesus. into the uterus. And yeah, you'd be surprised what, if it can no, go I wrong, it, no, it I has, it will. There is a case study out of K-State about a clumber spaniel who was inseminated and the veterinarian put the pipette in the urethra and it broke. Yeah. That was my stud dog. So oh, trust yeah. me when I tell you. Yeah. Yeah. All the things that can go wrong. Yeah, I had a dog that came up from uh, breeding that was done in another state with a pipette that had broken off in pieces in the vagina. And his regular veterinarian said, well, that's probably okay. And I'm like, really? I'm pretty sure it's not okay to leave it there. Not okay. But the urethra would be even more of a challenge. They knew they broke the pipette. They didn't know how or where and couldn't find it Mm -hmm. and didn't discover it until five or six years later when the bitch started having problems. And they took her to K-State, and there was the pipette calcified in the urethra. Oh, no. What? Oh, yeah. That's unfortunate. Very Mm. bad. I don't know how she would be continent. That seems interesting to me that she wasn't. Yeah, it was. I I don't know. Yeah. I did not own the bitch. I only owned the stud dog. And there was a lot of running around trying to get a second collection. And there was only one puppy from the second collection that was placed in the proper place. His name was Solo. (laughs) The soloist was literally his name. Yeah. If it can go, it will. I mean, you just have to know that I've had swabs break off. I've had pipettes break off. Yeah. If it can go wrong, it will. So mm -hmm. just be aware that those things happen and get to somebody that can fix it. Somebody that knows what they're doing. In our case, we knew that the pipette had broken off because at least they were honest. What was the breeder that broke it off? And it was very brittle, but at least they were honest about it. And we were able to just go in with the endoscope and right, retrieve it. Right. Pull it out. Pull it out. Yeah. So we were very fortunate with that. But we did it two days after the accident. Not, yeah, but she was an 80 pound bully. So she was not a small or gentle dog to work with. So right. it was a big right. girl. And she ended up, she did successfully get pregnant in spite of that. So there you go. Still work. Okay. So multiple sire litters. Any other like final you know, pro tip. <laughs> what's, what's your final pro tip on dual sired litters? I don't really think there's anything that we haven't talked about other than to know that there's the additional fees that go with it. Right. So don't right. be surprised by that or shocked by that. It's part of the gig. But I think there's a lot of value in it when you're in certain situations. It is not for everybody for every breeding, but there are definitely circumstances that it makes a lot of sense. You know, if the owner of the stud dog is 85 years old and it's her last breeding and she has all this semen that she's sitting on and she just wants to see something happen. You know, go for it. It's only $200 plus the DNA test. It's only money. You can't take it with you. No, you can't. You can't. You're a dog breeder. You already spend more money than you'll ever begin to know what to do with. So, Well, yeah. One of my clients was in last week and she said her son said to her, you know, you're a gambler. And she's like, yes, yes, I am. I don't go to the casino, <laughs> but I am still a gambler. You go to the veterinarian instead. You go to the veterinarian. You go to the dog show, you know, you'll drive eight hours and spend. I have written a column on the comparisons. I was driving home from a dog show through Vegas and I literally wrote the column on talk to text about how dog breeders and gamblers are basically the same thing. Oh yeah. Cause there's always going to be, there's that you're drawn to an inside straight. You just know you're going to do it. You're going to do it. You're going to do it. Yep. All it is, is just one more. <laughs> just need one more. I'm not kidding you. I would love to do some kind of like actual 
study because the same oh, dopamine brain, or dopamine. That's what I was exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. And the same dopamine when, things yeah. are the, you know, like the monkey with the cocaine. We're all hitting the right. same. Well, and it's the same when you put semen into a female. I mean, it's a gamble every time. A, you don't know if she's going to get pregnant. B, you don't know what you're going to get. Dog breeding is all gambling. It's Every single gambling. thing about it is gambling. You don't know what the DNA mix is going to turn up. It might be great. It might not be. Might be horrible. And will of clients, they come in for the ultrasound and they're like, please just let her be pregnant. Please, please, please. I just want one puppy. And you put her on the table, you put the probe on, you see a puppy, then you see four more and they go, oh, okay, now I need three black boys. And you're like, come on, 10 seconds ago, all you wanted was one crummy puppy. And now you're going to start getting picky about what color and what sex? No, oh my gosh. it's a gamble every time. Oh my gosh, it is a gamble. But we are all in the same boat. At least if you go to a veterinarian that shows dogs and breeds dogs, they understand you. They understand. Instead of the veterinarians and who don't know what that is, and they look at they, you like, what? I talk a lot, and I'm sure you've heard me say this before about our tribe. And we are a tribe of yeah. slightly crazy, slightly gamblers anonymous sort of people. <laughs> All day There's long. No doubt. All day long. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Marty, as always, it is amazing to visit with you. I never have a dull Sunday when I get <laughs> to talk to you. And I'm telling you, next month, listeners, plan on it. We're going to talk about campaigning your bitch versus breeding her. This is a topic by listener request. And I'm so excited Marty's going to talk to me about it because I've got thoughts. Marty's got thoughts. We're going to share them with y'all. So Sounds great. Excellent. Thanks a lot, Marty. Take care. All right, crew. Like the NPR of dogdom, Pure Dog Talk is here for you. To make sense out of everyday things. To add nuance to your understanding and tools to your tech box. To bring history to life and propel the living history of purebred dogs into the future. One of my favorite events over the last year or so has been the virtual After Dark for patrons of the podcast. Anybody can join this amazing community of dog enthusiasts by visiting the website and clicking the Become a Patron link on the homepage. While you're there zooming around on the site, you can check out our shopping tab too. There's even a Pure Dog Talk swag link. Who knew? Share the love with all our cool gear. Check it all out at www.puredogtalk.com. Your support adds up to a huge voice for purebred dogs. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.